Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. Resilience is forged in the furnace of futility. Like the airmen of the Memphis Bell, nursing an airship that by all accounts should have spiraled out of the sky with its decimated rudder, an airframe exposed like the ribcage of an emaciated wildebeest, the Pittsburgh football Steelers persevered in the face of of the ominous inevitability of yet one more subjugation to its nemesis, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is November 19th, 2018, episode 66. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost. And Nicholas, I have not slept in 36 hours. No thanks to this thrilling but stressful 20-16 to 16 sealer victory. I have been riding on an ecstasy high for the entirety of, of today. The Steelers are good for at least one of these absolute heart exploders every year. But my God, the heroic hero, Ulysses himself, big freaking Ben, AKA the first man, AKA Zeus, a.k.a. Hot Lightning, takes it to the Jaguars and shoves it in their stupid faces. They talked crap all week. They talked crap before the game. Their stupid, incredibly fast Adonis linebacker, Telvin Smith, Jones, Smith, came up to Ben after every interception, apparently, of which Ben threw five. Thank God only three of them counted. But on, uh, after every one of those in- interceptions, Telvin Smith went up to Ben to remind him of it. So I, I did send a tweet out after the game. Just I just wanted to update some of the numbers for, for Telvin. Uh, uh, three ended up being the number of touchdowns Ben scored on them. Uh, seven would be the number of losses that the Jacksonville Jaguars have. Pretty much all but eliminating them from postseason contention. And uh, one was the number of times that uh, Telvin Smith got uh, mossed in the back of the end zone by a tight end, a Caucasian tight end, nonetheless. So um, that's just a little housekeeping. If we need to update those, we can update them further. But I don't think it's really relevant uh, to talk about any Jaguars uh, numbers for the rest of the year because they are now irrelevant. Well, yet we have to talk about them. This was a statement win. This seemed to be uh, the Jacksonville jinx based on the two games from last year. And it looked like it was going to go that way again this game. Yeah, it was a nightmare. I mean, all I can say for the Steelers fans out there 
is this is an unbelievable win. This is a season defining type of win. Obviously you can have a couple of those over the course of the season, but what an unbelievable turnaround that game didn't seem winnable almost until the point where Ben hit Juju on the last deep ball or when the the Steelers defense made that last stop, it was only nine to zero at halftime. But if it weren't for some Jaguars, just absolute ineptitudes, which we'll get into more detail on later, it it should have been 20, 21, zero, like, like minimum. And thank God I got a text from another legend, Sean Tay, right before Benjamin went in and stabbed the Jaguars in the throat with his game winning touchdown. See, we watch our games like slightly behind when everybody else is watching them because I'm always watching on some form of uh, NFL Sunday ticket through an iPad hooked up to a TV. So my dad over here has to delay his game film so that we can watch it simultaneously while we're on the phone and we don't surprise each other with anything. Usually I try to keep the phone down, not look at the results, but I was so stressed out. I forgot to do it. Check the phone, saw Sean texted Ben and I knew justice would be served, but unbelievable turnaround by the offense, by the quarterback and by the, uh, the rest of, and, and by, especially by the defense to turn around and win that game against an unbelievably talented defense that after watching this game, I can definitively say they're just as good as they were last year. We need a piece of that Jacksonville defensive backfield. I would love any piece of that backfield. And we have a little money being uh, freed up. I don't think they're going anywhere. There was a rumor before the game, obviously, that Jalen Ramsey was um, going to be put up for trade. The Jaguars actually came out and, and and put out a statement right after the report came out saying that he is not up for trade. And you could not trade me three first round picks for that guy, because not only is he the best cornerback in the NFL by a mile and there's some good cornerbacks, nobody's close to this guy. Both of his picks were unreal. The first one seemed um sort of routine. It wasn't man to undercut a B like that. Very nice interception. Nice catch. And then the, the Moss catch the Plexico Burr is over the head catch. He had on a B and the end zone. It was depressing during the game when the pick happened because you're thinking, Oh my goodness, man, Ben can just not shake this off. Whenever he gets in front of Jacksonville, he, he just soils himself until the second half. But then when you rewatch it, and especially when I rewatched it 17 times today, it was a good throw. Just unbelievable catch. You know, Ramsey's like, uh, what's the Under Armour cold season jersey? I mean, he he was on everybody at every step. Except, I mean, I guess that AB did get away on that one long 78-yard touchdown pass, but unbelievable coverage. It's not. It's it's as if he can't be faked out. Yeah, absolutely. And even on that catch, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't Ramsey's man. He was, playing, he was just chasing after him afterwards. It was really the safety's duty there. But anyways, just unbelievable turnaround. Obviously, if you guys watch the game, it, uh, it looked identical to the past two times we played the Jaguars and they got out there and the Steelers just looked scared, especially Ben, but AB dropped a nice pass on third and 10 from Ben early in the game. So even he was kind of in his head, but it just looked like Ben was seeing ghosts out there. And then the interception started coming and you thought, Oh my God, we just, they just have our number and we can't get around this on, on the defensive side of the ball in the first half, the Jaguars ran pretty much every play. 
Blake Bortles ended with 104 yards, which is pretty much his average against us. But it doesn't matter. They have a backup offensive line, and they ran all over us in the first half. And the defense let up one drive in the second half, but overall they ended up clamping down. And then Ben, there was really no signs of life the whole game. They threw the 78 whatever yarder to AB. You thought, okay, maybe that'll take the saran wrap off. Nope, the offense still sputtered. And then at the end of the game, I mean, he just turned it on. And Juju turned it on. Might be the player of the game. Juju making a couple unbelievable catches with tight coverage by Bouye and Ramsey. And the quality of the throws, it did remind me a lot, again, of the divisional playoff game where Ben ended up having five, really six touchdown passes if you catch the lateral. But they weren't, none of the receivers were ever open. It's just unbelievable throws, unbelievable catches. What a turnaround, what grit, and crucial, too, because this gave them a little bit of distance in the AFC rate, playoff race. So you do have to thank the Jaguars. I mean, they do not have an offense, and that is where we're going to ding the defense because even though we held them to, to, to 16 points, we got gashed on the ground. And not so bad if you didn't know that the Jags or Bortles more, more uh, correctly cannot throw past the line of scrimmage. No. And the coaches don't let him. So here's the story with the defense, Ben and the defense. We're going to link them together because they were so bad in the beginning of the game. And the defense heated up a little bit uh, quicker than Ben did, but they were immaculate at the end of the game. So in the first half, a lot of people were giving the defense credit because they were holding the Jacksonville Jaguars to field goals. So we talk about that a lot on this podcast. That's one of the keys for this defense is you don't have to shut people down. We obviously don't have a great ability to generate turnovers, but if you can stop teams and play good red zone defense and force field goals, you're going to be good. Well, it's a little bit different with the Jaguars because the Steelers didn't really stop them per se. It, it, the Jaguars stopped themselves. They had a couple third downs, third and long or third and medium where they just handed draws up the middle. They refused to let Blake, Blake Bortles throw down the field. So I think that success in the first half was more due to the Jaguars ineptitude rather than the Steelers playing well. Eventually the time of possession was Jacksonville 37 to the Steelers 18. So all that being said, I don't think they were good in the first half. They were unbelievable in the second half. You would think that they would have been worn down because Jacksonville ran all over them in the first. And usually what happens to defense is if you get run over, you get tired and crappier as the game goes on. I don't know what they did because Tomlin says they didn't make a scheme adjustment. They just summoned the will of the gods of the earliest men, men who cooked other men with fire and ate them if it came to that. And they stuffed the Jaguars for five out of six drives making them go three and out. I mean, just an incredible effort, incredible turnaround. Wow. I, I can't illustrate any better than that. Let's uh, let's take a look at what you predicted for this game. The, uh, the keys of the game and how that played out. Well, I wanted to look back at some of the points we made before the game. We said the number one main thing about beating the Jaguars is you have to make Blake Bortles beat you. And I mean, didn't it prove that uh, the coaches only let him attempt 18 passes. They were handing off on third downs just because they did not want the guy to throw it on all of their last four drives. What did they throw? Like two total passes. Blake Bortles throws a pass to stop the clock. I mean, he's a nightmare. And what also I, by 
by saying don't let Blake Bortles beat you, you can't give him easy drives. You have to make him drive the ball 75 yards down the field multiple times a game because it's not going to happen. It might happen once or twice, but he's not going to do it enough times to keep up with you. So we said turnovers. Obviously, we've shown this Jacksonville game are a critical element. Obviously, there was the five interception game last year. Well, we uh, had a close game because we had a ton of turnovers. Three, to be exact, looked like five, but that's how you keep a, a team in the game like that. So that's why it was so much closer. I think if the Steelers had just scored at the beginning of the game, it would have been impossible for the Jaguars to come back. Because, I mean, you look at that. Blake Bortles is not a starting quarterback. Just look at the way the ball comes out of his hands. It's like he's throwing an actual loaf of moldy bread out there. It just tumbles through the air, feet away from his receivers. His best pass was a crappy pass to the middle of the field that got tipped and another guy caught it. Okay, so there's no turnovers. And then the last thing was just don't play into the Jaguars' hand. Don't play into their strengths. And that was more a reference towards Todd Haley last year when he called a lot of sweeps to the running back to the outside and wide receiver screens. And that plays directly into the Jacksonville Jaguars speed. You don't want to do those type of things. You want to gash them up the middle and you want to take your chances on the outside one-on-one with your awesome receivers, which eventually we did. But I will say this, you knew the Jaguars were going to run almost every play and you still couldn't stop it in the first half. So that was bad, but obviously Steelers turned it around the second half. Yeah. You mentioned the speed. It's, it's like when you first get out of college and you're looking for the first car and you, you have to go to the Kia dealership, Ugh. but you have to drive. You have to drive past the Infinity dealership to get there, and you stop and you run your hands over the hood of that Infinity QX50, and it's just not in the cards. I'm still gonna. Mm. This, is, this is sinful, but we're gonna lust over those defensive backs. We need to get ourselves some. So cool. you and I spent some time this afternoon talking about the flow of the game. This was. You know, on one hand, there was an arc, to, a very obvious arc to this game that really uh, f- was flat until really the late fourth quarter. But we tried to encapsulate, you know, sort of in segments what happened out there, starting with Ben. I don't I don't we'll, we'll start with Ben here. I mean, I, I don't know how to encapsulate it unless I just cry for you guys, because that's what I was on the verge on. I was so angry. I just hate the Jaguars. I don't like the way their faces look. I really don't like the way they walk or talk. I respect the way that they play. They're amazing, but they also cause me a lot of pain. And I watched that divisional playoff last uh, playoff game last year in a van as I was out playing some uh, music across America, and I was forced to watch this game in a van while basically everybody in the van except for the driver were sleeping, and I was sitting there silently or not so silently uh, having a breakdown while the defense um, ruined my life. That day, And we're going through it again, and I'm imagining what is it, what's the media going to say about Ben? They never want to give him enough credit when he crushes teams, and they love jumping on him when he doesn't crush them. So I'm sitting there. I'm worried about my buddy. I mean, what are we going to do? But more on that later, because obviously that's not how it ended up. Start of this game, we'll kind of breeze through. Uh, the Steelers look scared. There was no other way to say it. Ben was seeing ghosts. He didn't have, you know, all the time in the world behind the offensive line, but he had plenty of time. And wouldn't you agree that he just looked he's kind of half pump faking. He's dancing around. He's not setting his feet when he should. And and it just it just looked like one of those things. I mean, we talk about Ben being a head case when he's in the zone. I don't there's nobody better. 
look at last week, five touchdowns, three incompletions. But when he's out of it, yeah, it I can be hard for him to snap back in. He did look out of it. And he has the ability to scramble and throw flat-footed or off his back foot. But yesterday, it seemed like he was he was leaning back, was throwing flat-footed. There was one pass out to the right flat that looked like it got tipped on replay. It just sort of left his hand kind of mm-hmm. like a Blake Bortles pass. Ugh, that's, I mean, the worst insult you could give a man. Sorry. Now, rewatching the game, no, you're, I mean, you're accurate, unlike that pass. Rewatching the game, my opinion did change a little bit. So, the one you're referencing, I think, was the interception of Barry Church, the safety. And I think, who had the other one that did? I don't know if the Miles Jack one countered or not. It's kind of hard to keep track at this point. But the one, the Blake Bortles pass he threw when he was running up and he tried to throw it to AB and just sailed it and threw it right to the DB, that was a bad pick. But when I rewatched the two Jalen Ramsey picks, the first one was was a really nice play by him. The second one was an unbelievable play by him. And I'm realizing that Ben was definitely bad. He was definitely off. But when I was watching the game with um, the luxury of knowing what was going to happen, I was able to be a little bit more calm. You did sort of realize that the defense getting owned and just being left on the field for such a long time kind of didn't let the Steelers get into a rhythm. And um, it might've not been as big of a nightmare as it seemed, although it was really bad. Well, the, the offense added to those woes. I mean, they couldn't, totally. they couldn't finish a, uh, a drop. I mean, they couldn't mount couldn't get drop. a first down. So, yeah. I think there was a confluence of ineptitude, maybe not ineptitude on the defensive part, but there was a, uh, but they couldn't get off the field. You're right. I mean, the offense couldn't get into a rhythm, didn't have enough time for Ben to loosen up or whatever. Uh, mercifully, the, um, I don't know, I guess the AB, the AD, AB's touchdown bomb didn't break things loose, but it did show what was possible. Right. I agree. So eventually you get towards the end of the first half it ends up nine zero at this point of the game. I'm already tearing my hair out and starting my, you know, uh, once every maybe two games a year, I'll start telling you that I'm, I can't watch it. And that I actually might have to leave. And I, I, I really don't want to ruin your day or anybody's day around me because at a certain point I've grown so much in my emotional reactions to the game, but screw you people. I love too hard. And I don't want to see my guys out there, particularly King Benny getting raked over the damn coals like this. And uh, so I'm telling you at halftime, I, I might have to uh, leave, but I never leave. It doesn't yeah, let's, happen. Let's not insult the listeners. They, they didn't. Uh, they, weren't, Sorry. they weren't jumping all over you. No, you're absolutely right. That was that was volatile. But, but you can, guys understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, I and can vouch really for the emotional. Yeah, you're a little like the uh, Pittsburgh dad videos on YouTube. I love that guy. The guy is you know man what? after my own heart. Yeah, I, I muted you several times during the game because I just couldn't focus with all the anger. Please. We have a job to do. Feel free to do that whenever because I, I grow more embarrassed about the behavior. And I will say I'm better. There's no uh, no items break in the house anymore. So you got to give me some credit for that. Indeed. So let's uh, let's finish up these themes of the game or what we saw. And yeah, well, let's get back. Sorry, I I jumped off track with the with the halftime thing. What were you going to say, though? I was going to move on to the defense. Well, hold on. I kind of steered us off track. I want to get back to what you tried to set me up for. And I just tangentially floated away for a minute there. But at halftime, it's nine zero. 
it's really 21-0. Thank God for Blake Bortles. I mean, 17-0 at the worst, but those guys couldn't finish their drives. And uh, what do we have? One first down off of a penalty and maybe another one, but we just hadn't even moved the ball at all. So we get the ball to start the second half and immediately go three and out, right? And um, basically the Jaguars worked their way up to 16-0. So when did, when did the Antonio Brown touchdown happen? When in the game? Do you have that pulled up? I think it's right above where you're at. I see that, that description. Oh, no, I'm on right the uh, first crowds. Maybe you have it on that chart below. It doesn't say when it was. Well, either way, it was it was 16-0, right? So that is third quarter with a minute left, minute and a half left. Okay. It's basically the fourth quarter, and we still haven't scored a point. I, what do we have, two or three first downs to that point? It was right. brutal. And then luckily, you get a vintage Ben Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown, broken play, nice bomb there to a wide-open A.B., Touchdown, 78 yards. Thank God. What does that make it? Um, Pitt, Pittsburgh. 16-6. Uh, 16-6. Six, six. So it was 16-0. Right. Then you hit that long pass to AB. Sorry for that runaround, guys. We should have had that more organized. But 16-6 because Steelers go for the two-point conversion and it gets batted down, right? So you're thinking, okay, maybe this will get the train rolling. Of course, it does not get the train rolling. It do you have not. the next drive? Do you have the next drive chart pulled up? Yeah. So here's the next drive chart. It's a three and out by the Jaguars. I'm sorry. The Jaguars have the ball and they are three and out three and out. Then the Steelers get the ball back. You're like, wow, 16 to six. Looks like the Steelers can make something happen. No, they don't. They go three and out. We're right back to where we started. So it really did just seem like, Okay, nothing's improved. You just lucked out because you got a broken play to AB where he was uncovered. Give the ball back to the Jaguars, and this is where the defense really turned it around. They force another three and out, and this is where I would say Cam Hayward started turning it around. You can give player of the game to Juju. You could give it to Ben if you want. You could give it to Cam, and you could definitely give it to Javon Hargrave, who's uh, up to five sacks on the year now, I believe, five and a half. But here the Jaguars start going hyper conservative with 12 minutes left in the game and they're running the ball. But remember everybody, they had so much success running the ball on every single play in the first half. You don't know how that's going to work. So the defense forces them three and out Steelers get the ball back 10 minutes left, start driving, 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 eventually get to a fourth down and six at Jacksonville four, 43 yard line. Ben scrambles around a little bit finds James Conner wide open, standing on the first down sticks, facing him. James, who a little bit more on him later, probably the worst game of his year. I mean, definitely the worst game of the year for him. James lets the ball bounce off of his chest plate and out of bounds. So at this point, you're like, we finally got a first down on our own. You're going to give the ball back to Jacksonville with six minutes left in the game, still down by two scores. And you just don't know what's going to happen. So just to interject there, did you think were, were people on Twitter objecting to that going forward on fourth down at the Jacksonville 43? 
No, I didn't see that. And you and I talked about it a, a couple plays before. We were saying this is four down territory, right? And of course it was just even just from a mathematical standpoint of it being a two score game and there only being, you know, clock was ticking down in the seven minute range at that time. So you, you had to go for it. You just simply wouldn't have enough time to, to make up for it. And they should have got it, but Connor dropped it. Jacksonville gets the, gets the ball back three and out who else making tackles Hargrave Bostic, just a great defensive effort. And then here's probably where you can say it's turning around. Although it didn't feel like it Steelers get the ball back with five minutes left to play five Oh six. And this is where all heaven breaks loose. They get a little pass to Connor short pass to a B gets a, a relatively ticky tacky face mask call on him because the, the guy didn't grasp his face mask. He basically grazed it. But in today's NFL, that's still a 15 yard penalty. And then the Juju show began three passes in a row to Juju nine yards to Juju. And then probably the play of the game, absolutely unreal throw by Ben incredible catch. One of the catches of the year so far for the Steelers by Juju totally tightly covered by Jalen Ramsey makes the catch at the, at the Jacksonville 26 yard line. Basically, I mean, Lynn Swan, like, right. I mean, like a ballerina in the air did like a three, a one eighty in the air, catching it. Jalen Ramsey draped all over him. When Juju is holding the ball. If you watch that replay, Jalen Ramsey actually gets his hand on the ball and Juju squeezes that thing, makes the catch. And at that point you sort of felt a little dangerous fire fill up in the belly, right? That's probably a turning point, right? Yes. Well, anyways, guess who they go to on the next play? The Prince. Juju Smith-Schuster. They go to him again. Another nine yards. Then guess who they go to on the next play? Juju, but it's incomplete. Damn it. Then they throw left to James Conner for 11 yards. And then gorgeous touchdown. Big Benny shuffling around in the pocket back foot lobs it to the place where only his receiver could get it. And Vance McDonald goes up in between two guys, including the aforementioned douchebag Telvin Smith, excuse me, and makes the catch spikes it touch down. Boswell nails the extra point and we've got ourselves a ball game, but it's not looking that great still because there's only two twenty-eight left to play. Keep in mind, the Steelers have three timeouts. That's big time, but 16 for Jacksonville, 13 for Pittsburgh, 228 left. All Jacksonville really needs to do is get one first down. I mean, two first down would ice the game. One first down would probably ice the game. Luckily for the Steelers, though, they have three timeouts and a two minute warning. So Fournette on the first play goes up the middle for four yards. We're saying, oh, crap. Usually, you know, usually if they get four, they're able to get in the third and manageable. You'd like to see them just stuff them for no gain. But let's see what the Steelers can summon from their bellies. So, again, an interjection. At that point, there was a little bit of a controversy. Again, a Mike Tomlin controversy about clock management. So there is a, the play starts at 222. It's over at 218. And everybody at home is screaming for a timeout. Yeah. themselves ostensibly a fifth time, you know, essentially an extra timeout because we're going to use the two minute warning. Right. Including me, I was yelling for it. And then, but you know what, in retrospect, 
he made the right decision because I want to stop the clock because that saves you 18 seconds. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, in retrospect only, I mean, you only know that at the end of the game, we, we left the game with a touch with a timeout. Well, no, it's, it's not just in retrospect. The, the thought is you have to get three and out here no matter what, or you lose. So what he did was he had the two minute warning. So he's like, I'll give up the 18 seconds in order to have one timeout for my offense. Cause I have three timeouts already. If you're talking two minute warning timeout, number one timeout, number two, and we have to get a three and out here anyways. So he sacrifices the 18 seconds and you and I were counting on the hurry up offense. The next drive, it, it takes them almost 18 <laughs> seconds to run their next play. So all that really yeah. does is get you an extra play maybe. Whereas having a timeout on offense enables you to work more of the field. The middle of the field is an option. And if you watch the Broncos play against the um, chargers, luckily upsetting the chargers and pushing the Steelers further into that second place slot, the chargers or the Broncos had to make a a last minute comeback and they made it over the middle of the field because, you know, there's just openings in that area. And then also, if you think about it, the timeout is what let Ben run on that last play. So anyways, they keep the timeout and the rest is history. James Conner drops a critical pass that would win the game. Juju makes another unbelievable catch down the sideline. Ben goes supernova. We get to third down and 10 freaking Ben to a B across the middle for 10 yards on the aforementioned Jalen Ramsey. Poetic justice is served. Then at the end of that, you get the Steelers on the two yard line and Ben throws another pick. And it feels like my heart was pulverized with a medieval mace. That dude from Lord of the Rings, old masky, big Skeletor, just shoved it in there. And I was screaming because I could tell that some stupid Jaguar had literally mauled our small Caucasian man, Switzer, in the back of the end zone and pulled him down and they didn't throw the flag. Well, thank God they eventually did throw the flag. And if you look at the replay, the dude clotheslined him and took the ball from him. So I don't know what took them so damn long to throw the flag, but it was very justified. And then the rest is history. Big Ben slays the dragon. 41st game winning comeback moves ahead of his hero, John Elway on the sixth place in terms of the all time fourth, uh, fourth quarter comebacks and uh, still making his way up. Justice is served. <sighs> Everything's right in America. Steelman wins. The only thing. Well, the only thing that isn't right in America is I went over to on my bookie this weekend because I was banking on the Steelers shedding the shackles of that Jaguar jinx and blowing us out. And if you remember, I made a prediction that we would score 42 points. I'm not sure we had 42 yards. We didn't have even have hmm. 42 yards in rushing. Uh, so we did go 0 and 2, but that was not my bookie's fault. My bookie accommodated my bets. Look at his split. And uh, had I had a little more foresight, I may have bet differently. Hey, well, I think I caught it. What? 24, 17. Um, so, uh, yeah. in the, in the, in the Close. ballpark, but I still would have lost that bet as well. And you're right. It's not my bookies fault. fault. They, uh, they offer a ton of good crap, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Sorry. It's not crap. 
you know, be careful with gambling, everybody. But uh, my bookie offers betters in all major markets and entertaining lineup of gaming options. They let you do prop bets. They let you bet on fantasy points. You could talk about one player performing or underperforming. So that's pretty cool. You can uh, have the edge when betting on the game within the game. And you can take advantage of in-game live betting, which we are having some difficulty figuring out. Maybe you guys can write in for us. Um, but they also offer like a ton of bonuses. They give you welcome offers, reloads, and cashbacks. You'll find the sports book promotions and casino rewards and a huge variety of different value-added programs that should cater to most better's preferences. They've also got a great mobile site. They let you actually talk to human beings on the telephone, old school style, very effective. We haven't had to do it ourselves because it's so damn easy to actually operate that mobile site, but the option's there if you want it. And remember, everybody, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And I hope you're betting on the Pittsburgh Steelmen, even though we bet on them, just probably not in the way we should have. Take advantage of generous bonus op- bonus options. If you take a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional 25 bucks free play on deposits over 100 bucks. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar, dude. Use promo code Outpost25. Outpost25 to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag online today, and don't forget to use that promo code Outpost25. Outpost25 when creating your account to claim up to one thousand dollars in free plays. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's move into the grades and let's move this at a brisk pace and uh, yeah. give a little preview to next week. So starting with Ben, you and I struggled with how to grade him because the relief, the release, the happiness, the joy, the sleepless night that we all experienced really influenced what we wanted to give him. But we are professionals. Well, we're not actually professionals. We're volunteers. We're just we're doing this as a hobby, but we try to do it like professionals. So we have to grade the entire game. Well, we're doing it because I mean, we have no choice. The spirit compels us. We are going to grade him like the whole game. And he, for as bad as he was for three and a half quarters, he was just as he was uh, equally good for the end of that game, making elite throw after elite throw into super tight coverage. And then just the mental fortitude and the grit and determination to not give up. And that's what I've always loved so much about Ben is the guy just doesn't give up. It's a sports platitude. You hear it a lot, but man, he's a real old school gunslinger. We talk about it a lot. An unbelievable job. I'll definitely always remember this game from him with many more. So bearing that in mind, he tore up that Jag secondary in the end, but he, uh, he, he, he you know, we were only in that situation because he was really struggling in the beginning. So we can't give him an A, but we will give him a B plus. B plus. We also struggled a little bit with James Conner. You struggled with more than I did. I think, you know, what you saw is what you got and way we should grade him. Yeah, he didn't get a lot of opportunities, um, but you would just like to see him find a way to make a play in a game like that. If you're supposed to be one of the best players in the offense, he was a total non-factor. But to me, I put out a tweet and I think one of our good friends, Tony Serino, was referring to me on his podcast, Locked on Steelers. It's a cool show. Um, he's at Steelers Country on, on Twitter. Great follow. Great insight onto games and stuff like that. But uh, I gave Connor some crap on Twitter for dropping passes and dropping the ball in the fourth quarter because so far this year, he's played 10 games. Really in his career, he's played 10 games. In 20% of those games, he's had critical uh, game-losing fumbles or drops in the fourth quarter. The Browns won. 
he got stripped, not by a crowd of people, but by one guy when you're just trying to run the clock out, fumbles the ball on her own 10 yard line to give the Browns a free touchdown. In this game, he dropped a touchdown, uh, a first down pass in his chest, nobody on him on fourth and six. And then he dropped the easiest touchdown pass of anybody's life that would have won the game. Thankfully, Ben made the pass to AB and scored later. So that that drop was just unbelievably bad. Am I saying that James Conner hasn't done anything clutch? No, of course he played other great games. And do I think he's going to get over this? I a hundred percent think he's going to get over this because he's really shown the ability to improve. And he was lucky to learn this lesson without having to take an L. But I mean, those were horrible plays. You're supposed to be a marquee player. So we're giving him a great. Let's grade him. All right. So Those are the longest ones. We'll move, we'll move on to the rest really quickly. Yeah, Juju. He's a wide receiver. He was unbelievable. Uh, those plays really turned the game around. A, B, sort of quiet, but made up for it in the end. We're going to give them a grade of A. A, okay. Moving on to basically Vance McDonald, the tight end. Vance McDonald had a gorgeous touchdown catch. Other than that, was pretty much a non-factor, having 10 catches for 100-something against them in the playoffs last year. We'll give Vance a grade because of the unbelievable clutch and difficult touchdown pass that he had, he gets a B plus plus of opportunity. Yes. All right. Moving on to the offensive line. Ben did uh, get sacked two times and lost 17 yards. Was that on him? Cause he did that spend a lot of time line. in the backfield. It, it was yeah. on the offensive line. Filer just got crushed by Yannick Ngakwe, but Filer's a backup tackle and Yannick Ngakwe is one of the best pass rushers in the whole league. They could not open up any holes in the first half in the running game. I think that contributes a lot to the struggles and uh, Ben did get pressured. He had time. So they weren't bad, but I have seen them play better. Jacksonville has not been nearly as good at sacking the quarterback this year. So you would have liked to see them kind of shut people out, but honestly they gave him a lot of time. And of course, always a big reason for the win, but they weren't dominant. I'll say that. So we're giving them a grade of B plus. B plus. Uh, which takes us to Randy, the feetmeister offensive coordinator. There's not that much else to say on him. I mean, it was tough with his players not getting in a rhythm. I like the fact that they decided to attack those cornerbacks in the fourth quarter when they got singled up on Juju and AB. Let's see what they got. So like that. But uh, again, I almost feel like he didn't play a, a huge factor in the game. It was sort of taken out of the game a little bit. We'll give him a grade of B plus as well. Plus. Uh, do you want to go to the head coach at this point before I go into the defensive grades? Yeah, we'll give uh, listen. I mean, the resilience of this team cannot be understated. This is part of their DNA. They did it against the Bengals. They do it kind of every year now, especially with under Ben and Mike Tomlin. I don't like how they came out scared and uh but wow they've turned that defense around in the second half and uh when ben really started getting going they really made it happen so i gotta give him also a grade of b plus just because not many teams would be able to weather that storm but it was so ugly in the first half i can't give him an a all right. I'm going to give a little recap. You already mentioned uh, something about the defense. When you look at time of possession, the Steelers had the ball 22 minutes of the Jags, 37. The Jags had um, eight tries of only three plays. The last play uh, being one play at the end of the game. The Steelers had one drive of over three minutes. Just let that sink in. 
the Jaguars rush it. So let's talk about why the defense didn't look at the top of its game. And I broke down the Jags rushing by quarter in the first quarter. They averaged four and a half yards a carry for and one one long of 11 yards. Then they exploded in the second quarter, 10 runs, averaging 6.7 yards a run with a long of 20. Then it starts tapering off 2.25 yards per carry in the third quarter. Loving Luff at one yard per carry in the fourth quarter. I'm going to put up a pretty cool. It's very cool. <laughs> I did it in Excel of uh, graph of the, of the Jags rushes by actually by rush. And you'll see how the, the chart tapers off throughout the game. So the Steelers did figure it out finally. And one of the reasons I'm going to ding the defensive coordinator is the fact that the Jags are a one dimensional <laughs> team. There was right. nothing else to watch. You could put Boswell out at safety and we would have been okay there, but we allowed 179 rushing yards. And, uh, on the alternatively, we gave, um, Bortles only got a hundred yards, 104 yards passing. So moving up to the defensive line, to whom do you attribute this explosion of rushing yards? It's a team game. So every one of the components of the defense is going to get dinged a little bit, but the D line three sacks, as you pointed out, Javon Hargrave, two sacks. He's really kind of broken out. Hopefully he maintains that pace Four tackles for losses, three quarterback hits and a fumble recovery. So, we're giving the defensive line an A minus. It was looking iffy there in the first half without Stefan to it. I'll just add that. So many Steelers seasons recently seem to have ended with either one of the killer bees or multiple killer bees getting hurt or Hayward or to it getting hurt. It seemed like Hayward and to it never got to play together. And so I was nervous, like, wow, man, if you take one of those guys out, it just goes to crap. But to their credit, they really got it together in that second half. And, and it doesn't sound like his injury is super serious. He'll be back. I think Cam Hayward had an amazing fourth quarter and Hargrave, obviously great game. Yeah. And I think there's another major problem on the defensive line. That is that, um, Alu is mispronouncing his own name. Huh? Well, that's the problem. Alu. Yeah. Guy can't even say his own name. I know that's, that's an irritant, but I do think he holds his son on the defensive line, moving to the edge rushers again, 179 yards. Everybody's responsible for that. But um, TJ, what? Two sacks, two sack, two tackles for losses, and two forced fumbles. He was everywhere. This was a kind of yeah. a not a breakout game, but uh, he's on the ascension there. TJ Watt so, is really coming along. He's starting to make some more plays that aren't just wide open, and he's uh, just he finishes. He forces fumbles. He makes the tackles. Bud, he really has played better. But man, he's played against every horrible tackle in the league. And this game, he went against kind of the league's most famous, terrible tackle, the outcast from the New York giants, Eric flowers. And he made some plays. I thought that Bud had a sack. Maybe he didn't, maybe it was a tackle for a loss, but first round pick and you can't trash Eric flowers. It's a little frustrating, but he's definitely contributing. And like you said, TJ, man, he's, he's been really improving. So we'll give the edge rushers an A minus moving us on to, uh, the inside long linebackers, John Bostic, uh, and uh, Vince Williams. Vince Williams had a pretty good game. In yeah. total, the inside linebackers had 18 tackles, one sack by Vince Williams, and a tackle for loss and a quarterback hit. But again, I think they're largely responsible for some of those gashes because Fournette was running right up the middle. Yeah, and they stepped it up in the end, too. Bosick made a ton of tackles at the end of the game. Indeed. So we'll give the inside linebackers a B. Plus. B+. Taking us to the defensive backs. Again, did I mention Blake Bortles had 104 yards <laughs> passing? 
He only threw have... it downfield like one time. It was 40 yards past the receiver. What do you give a grade to a, a position uh, that didn't really have any ability to do anything or change the game? How but... do you grade the equipment manager? You know, I mean, there's probably a, if you can really spot someone's cleat missing here, a spike here or there, I don't know. It's kind of hard to see what the DBs did. Well, the DPs had one quarterback hit and 26 tackles. So uh, for the lack of gas, we'll give the defensive backs an A minus. And again, bring us the defensive coordinator. You've got to give him a C. I think the defense did well, but given that the Jags offense is so simplistic, although I did think their offensive line blocked really well, which is, which is a reason for net got broken free so many times. They had a good, good job of uh, pulling guards and opening spaces but we could have had every defensive back, including Boswell back there to stop the rush. Hmm. So he gets a C agreed. And uh, I don't want to grade the special teams as a, as a unit. I mean, they, they all do have very different jobs. Switzer didn't have much of an opportunity. His punt returns weren't that good, but he is ranked top three in kickoff returns. And he had a 20, he had averaging 20 yards per kickoff return. I would give him an A Jordan Berry could have, could have given him an A plus. He had an average of 50 yards a punt with a long of 63. But this is something you point out every game. When our back's against the wall, he has trouble really booming that 60-yard punt. We had the ball in the 11, and he only got us a uh, 43-yard punt. So for that reason, Jordan Berry, A. Boz, thank goodness the game didn't (laughs) come down to a field goal. Boz botched it from the opening kickoff with that slip, slip and slide. Looked like he was a four-year-old's birthday party as he approached the ball. But uh, in the end, it didn't hurt us. He did his job. Uh, he gets a C. From a, kickoff, from a kickoff coverage, you know, we, we did give up a co- we, we did give up a couple long kickoff returns. Uh, Westbrook had yeah, a 16-yard. Sorry, on the punts, Westbrook had two returns for an average of 36. So we'll give the kickoff coverage team a B. Mm-hmm. Anything left to say about this game before we look ahead? No, it was magnificent uh, to, to get that win. It just did not seem like there was any chance in the world. And for the Steelers to fight back like that, for the defense to step it up like that, and for the greatest quarterback to ever play any sport, Ben Roethlisberger, to fight back and make elite throw after elite throw after elite throw after elite throw after elite throw. It was glorious. So next week we take on the Denver Broncos. They of the 23 to 22 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers, proving that it can be done. This should be an interesting game next week. It's always tough playing Denver in mile high stadium. That place does not get enough credit as one of the more difficult places to play in the NFL, like Seattle and Kansas city and maybe new England at this point. But uh, you know, the altitude thing, it makes a big difference. And uh, they just do well over there. They're obviously going to be riding high after beating a good Chargers team. And they've got a great running back rookie and, and Philip Lindsay. They've got Von Miller on the edge. They've got Bradley Chubb on the other edge. Uh, the, uh, um, the first round draft pick might have Matt Filer back in there again. So we'll see how we do. Um, traditionally, Steelers have game planned well against uh, Von Miller, but that's usually with Marcus Gilbert. So this won't be a gimme, um, but Oh my goodness. Just what a quality win from the Steelers to turn it around the way they did against the Jaguars and also critical in terms of keeping their standings in, in the AFC playoff race. Patriots were on a bye. The Steelers have the Broncos. And then I think we got the chargers 
followed by the Raiders, Saints or Patriots, Saints and Bengals. You got to win the games against the Broncos, the Broncos, the Broncos, the Broncos, Raiders and uh, Bengals. You got to beat those teams that you're better than them because the three other games, those are toss ups. Now, of course, I think the Steelers can win them, but you need to give yourself a little wide berth. The most one of the most critical positions for next week will be Rogers Fry Vogel. Mm, Pittsburgh Steelers Fry Vogel. The Pittsburgh Steelers equipment manager. Don't forget to bring the oxygen. Hey, we are trying to make the show as entertaining as possible. What really helps us and really keeps us going is just hearing from you. You know, you can hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. And please tell a friend. Help us grow the audience and get some more interaction. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Bye-bye. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.